Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. And today we are going deep on another topic that I know is near and dear to many of us. My guest today, Summer Inanen, is also a coach and she specializes in body image, self-worth, and confidence. And these are all things we need to talk about. She's also a best-selling author and the host of the Eat the Rules podcast. And she features interviews with leading experts in body image, the anti-diet movement, self-help, and feminism. Summer, thank you so much for being here today and spending time with us on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't we start with just telling everybody a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. So for the last nine or so years, I have exclusively been helping people to really heal their relationship with their body. So people who have maybe had a history of chronic dieting or just never really feeling comfortable in their own skin and experience a lot of shame about their body. So they maybe compare themselves to people or pick themselves apart when they see a picture of themselves. I help people like that to just feel at ease in their own body and build up uh, a sense of confidence and worth in who they are so that it's not attached to how they look. And, uh, and so I do that as well as I also train other professionals on how to um, learn how to help clients with body image as well, because that's like a huge sort of gap that I found practitioners also need. And as you, I mean, you said a couple of things as well, like I host the podcast, Eat the Rules, and I've been doing that now for nine years as well. You've been doing your podcast for nine years? I know. Yeah. 2014. <laughs> June, June, coming up on it. June 2014 oh, was the first episode. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. A it's changed a lot. Yeah. You don't meet many people that have been in the game that long because it's just blown up in such recent years. Like you never come across people who have been around that long. I love that. I was an early adopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about what it was for you that fascinated you with this particular niche and what made you want to really get certified as a coach and specialize in this. Like, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it was my own personal struggle. I, I for, you know, decades of my life, I was um, hating my body. Like, I don't remember a time when I felt good in my body. Um, growing up, I just, I have so many memories of just feeling inadequate in my body, feeling like there was something wrong with my body. And I started to uh, diet around the age of, you know, like 12 or 13. And um, that progressively got worse into my 20s. I started to just, you know, kind of go harder and exercise more and restrict more. And I was just on this chronic cycle of like, restrict, binge, 
repeat. And I was just never satisfied. I felt like I was on this lifelong quest to like lose the weight once and for all like that it was almost like a a second career for me and um everything sort of came to a head in my when I was around 30 31 um when I just like my hormones weren't functioning properly and I saw many doctors and finally I found a doctor who actually looked at what I was eating and how I was exercising and she was able to say to me like this is your problem. Like what you think is healthy is actually the the problem that's creating this. And I had the same hormones as a postmenopausal woman as a result of the over-exercising and the under-eating. And, um, and that was really a wake-up call moment for me. And at the time, I was actually practicing as a nutritionist. So I did have like an interest in helping people with food. Um, however, I was really struggling with my own relationship to it. Um, and so it was through that, that I really realized that the primary issue that was really setting people on this path of having a disordered relationship with food was the way that they felt in their body. So initially, when I was still practicing as a nutritionist, I really shifted my practice to try and help people kind of heal their relationship with food. Um, But what I noticed was that the body image piece was the biggest piece of the puzzle. And like, if we didn't work on the body image piece of it, then the relationship with food just wasn't going to really fully heal. There would always kind of be this fear of like, what's going to happen to my body. Uh, And so I wanted to focus in on that one piece of it because I felt like it was so important and a universal struggle that a lot of like that most people are dealing with. Um, And so that's what led me down that path and to really focus on like coaching, like adapting all the sort of different coaching techniques and tools that I've learned over the years to focus specifically on, on really it's, it's more on self-worth, but the, the symptom is body image right? right. <laughs> because it's like, you know, that's, it's, it's how we're valuing ourselves. That's what makes it like so distressing to us is because we're valuing ourselves based on the size of our body. Yeah. I have so much gratitude for the way these conversations are being had right now, because like when I grew up, I'm in my fifties and I grew up in the era of playboy penthouse and the super sexualized female. And that was always my idea of what it meant to be a woman is that you had to have this perfect body and be super ultra sexy. And that's what, that's why men liked you or how you would have them like you, you know, it was just this really unhealthy view of womanhood. And which of course, you know, on, on top of a million other things created a really challenging set of circumstances internally that then of course comes out externally, right? In relationships and dating and all of those things. So I have so much appreciation for this being a conversation now. Yeah, I don't, it it wasn't much of a conversation before. And And I still think there's still so much to grow because, you know, dieting is still so normalized, beauty standards continue to get more extreme. Um, you know, you look at like the Kardashians and, and all that stuff, like it's like, you know, it the pressure and, and the influence of social media and filters, like, I feel like the pressure is actually increasing, but at least there's another conversation happening now. And at least there's a place for people to go 
when they start to realize how detrimental that is to their mental and physical well-being. Um, and I don't think that was something that was necessarily accessible and around then. And I think there's a lot more awareness of the impact of, you know, fat phobia and weight stigma and things like that. Um, and so we still have like a really long way to go, but yes, I remember, you know, cause I grew up in the eighties and just like, you know, like seeing like Pamela Anderson and that being like the, you know, the sex symbol and the thing to strive towards. And so it, it, it really create created like a disordered view of, of how you should be. Yeah. And that's challenging. And it is, I mean, I've always been curious when, your relationship with this stuff turns unhealthy. Like, how do you know when you're sort of crossing a boundary into an unhealthy relationship with food? Because we talk about this a lot. This is exactly how I talk about alcoholism. You know, there's a point in your relationship with alcohol that it that it's toxic, right? There is a turn. How do you recognize that with food? I, I would say it's really hard because... And I think some of this is similar to alcohol. It's so enmeshed in the culture. It's so normalized. But I think even more so with with um, disordered behaviors with food, I think a lot of times they're positioned as wellness. They're positioned as health promoting. And we don't see the impact that they're having on us. Like I, just, like I said in, in, in my story, I, I literally thought everything I was doing was healthy. I was following experts on the internet, you know. I thought that the things I, were, I was doing was healthy. So I feel like, you know, some of the signs are, you know, just like perpetually thinking about food. So do you spend time in between meals thinking about food or worrying about food? Do you... Um, like feel like you can't go to social occasions because you don't have control over what the food is going to be? Or do you really worry about what the food is going to be? Um, do you feel a lot of guilt uh, or shame when you eat a certain thing? Do you engage in eating that's kind of like in secret so other people don't see you? Um, are you not listening to your body. So like, are you denying yourself certain things? So what I mean by that is if your body's like sore and it just wants to rest, but you're like, no, I need to go to the gym because I should do it because I'm committed to doing it X times in a week. Like those are all little ways that we can start to tune in in terms of like, am I developing a more disordered relationship with food? Um, and I think that, you know, because the behaviors might on paper not look disordered, they might be like validated by some sort of, you know, even like a wellness professional, like you mm -hmm. might have heard it somewhere that you should eat in a particular way. Um, there was that video last week of like Gwyneth Paltrow talking about her diet and like her lack of food pretty much. And, you know, for a lot of people, they would look at that and be like, well, she's the picture of wellness, like that's well, but she's not eating, <laughs> you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. clearly like a, a disordered behavior with food, but it's being validated by all these professionals. So I think it's less about looking at like what you're eating and how you're moving your body and more about like what's going on inside your brain and your body as a result of those things. Although I think looking at those things on paper is helpful too. If you're working with a professional who can actually flag like, okay, you should not be working out this much. You should not be eating this little, um, but just the inner dialogue and how you're feeling about these things, like our relationship with food should be really easy. It should be just like, you know, I eat the things I want to eat. I move on with my life. It's not a big deal. Um, and if it's not feeling that way, then there's, you know, probably something there that's a signal that there might be a bit of a disordered relationship with it. 
Yeah. I think I would be in a lot of trouble if I just ate what I wanted <laughs> because it would be sugar 24 seven. Like I would live on candy and pastries and, and that does not serve me well emotionally. You know, like there is a definite like physical impact of that and an emotional impact. Like I get really sad when I overdo it on sugar. So that's something I've been really mindful of, but I do love the idea of not having so many restrictions, you know, and I got super overwhelmed with this on my journey as well, where it's like, well, what, like, I don't know the right thing to do. Like the more, people you listen to and the more research you do, the more different things you hear about. And I started getting to this place where I was like afraid to eat anything. I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. You can eat chicken breast and broccoli and drink water and that's it. There's your next 50 years, you know? And that in itself became overwhelming, but I think it was also its own breaking point of letting go of a lot of those things too, in not having so many rules and really listening internally, like you're saying, listening internally to what's happening and how does my body respond to certain things and how does that feel? Because I don't like feeling physically a certain way after eating certain foods either. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is like tuning into how things make you feel. But, you know, restricting foods increases the desire for them too. And so the more that we sort of say like, I can't eat this, I shouldn't eat this, the more we want those foods and the more out of control we feel around those foods. And so, you know, in my experience, when people actually just give themselves permission without guilt and things like that, then and fear without guilt and without fear. And again, this comes back to body image, right? Because if, if you didn't have a fear of weight gain, then like, how would that impact your, you know, your decision making? Um, and so that is, you know, that's also something that's important to flag is just that, you know, mental and physical restriction both create a disordered relation, like a disordered mentality around food too. And they yeah. create like this illusion that you really can't control yourself. And when, when the majority of the time, it's actually just a compensatory response to that restriction. I was definitely far less successful in any sort of healthy journey with food when it was all about weight and appearance. Like I didn't get healthier with my relationship with food until it was really just about nourishing my body, which I think a lot came with age also, you know, I mean, aging is its own very weird process and, mm -hmm. and things are going to change and you are really challenged to get into a place of acceptance with your body and just be okay that you're aging. And like, I'm not going to look how I looked in my thirties or in my forties, right? But when everything revolved around like the number on the scale or the size of my clothes, I could never do anything successfully because mm -hmm. I guess it just wasn't enough of a motivator. But when it came down to like, man, I, I want my body to feel better. Like now I'm looking at my next 20, 30 years and what I want my life to look like. And I don't want to have a lot of limitations. I don't want to eat poorly. I want to nourish my body. I want to be in good health. I want to take care of myself. And that's a whole different relationship that I've never had with food. I've never been healthy with food until the last probably year. It's yeah, a long road. 
you know, yeah, anything, anytime weight comes into it, 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 you know, it really just like messes things up. <laughs> it really does because it's just going to cause you to, you're relying on this inanimate object, you know, the scale to tell you like how you should eat and what you should do. And um, it's overriding any of your body's signals. And, you know, 95% of attempts at weight loss fail. And so you're gonna, your odds are good that you're not gonna be able to maintain whatever you're doing. <laughs> and yeah. it's gonna come back and you're just gonna blame yourself and feel worse and be and, and continue to be continue to be stuck on that cycle. And so yeah, I did really thinking about what your intentions are. Um, and looking at it from a place of like, yeah, I, I want to eat this way, because it it feels good for me. And this is what is satisfying for me. Um, and, you know, eating like a grown ass adult, like I say, then <laughs> it makes it makes it so much easier. But it's a hard thing. Like it doesn't you can't just switch that on. I think if you've been in that frame of mind for a long time, it becomes it becomes difficult to to really let that go. Yeah. My food journey and, and becoming a more healthful person has been a very, very long road. I mean, this has not been a fast or simple thing to break out of so many of those thought processes and patterns that, that we really spend years building up and creating and nurturing, you know, to, to reverse some of those behaviors takes a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does. And it, you know, if you think about it, like if you spent if you spent 20 years feeling a particular way, then it's going to take more than just two months to feel differently. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the thing with like being on that weight loss train is it, it's just like, it's never enough, right? Like it's never, you never feel good enough because it because what you're going after is that sense of like feeling good enough. And it's never going to give you that. Um and there's always more that you're going to want. Like I remember getting to like my smallest weight and still feel, and then being like, okay, now what else can I change? Like, what else do I need to do? And it was, you're, you know, you're just never happy. And so, you know, choosing to make peace with where you are and develop a new relationship with yourself is just, I feel so much better. Yeah, I agree. One thing I really want to know is how do we start a healthier dialogue with our kids? Because this is something I am super sensitive to. Um, I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews that I'm really involved with and who I adore. And I try to be very conscious of um, how I compliment them, right? Where it's not all appearance based. Like I just try to be so aware of these things. What are some pointers you would have for us to just have that awareness and consciousness with our children? Yeah. So I think when it comes to their bodies, like teaching them how to tune into their own bodies, like even just like, you know, how does that feel in your body? Like what is, even after a hug, sometimes I'll say to my son, like, what is what do you feel after I give you a hug? Like, do you feel warm fuzzies? Like what I'm trying to do is help him develop that awareness of like sensations and feelings in his body so he can learn to trust his body. Um, and, and really like trying to help kids, like do not mention their weight or their body, you know, like that is number one, like, as much as you can, even I'm guilty of this sometimes, like I'll say to my son, like, you're, you're getting so much taller, but then that's, st that starts to go down the path of like, 
it's better to be bigger as a boy, you know what I mean? And so I'm trying to just like watch that in myself. But as it relates a lot of time with little girls, like it's like, oh, you're so pretty, you're so cute. And those are the messages they start hearing right away. And they start internalizing that like, oh, like my value is in this. And so I try to encourage people to really just like avoid all appearance-based compliments. If you notice their body changing, don't say anything. Like body changes are 100% normal. Um, and we can really help them to look at like, once they start to get older and become more discerning, you can start to introduce them to the, the messages that are around in our culture. So if you're watching TV with them, like what shows are they watching and what kind of bodies are they seeing and really being intentional about showing them body diversity. There's a lot of amazing kids books that are for like newborns through to, you know, teenagers now that have stories and show diversity. And I think that that was something that was 100% missing when I was a kid. And it still has a long way to go. But introducing them to body diversity so that they're really starting to develop a belief system that all bodies are worthy, all bodies can do different things. Um, You know, just because if someone is a different size doesn't mean that they can't, um, you know, like be active or do certain things. And so that's another really great thing. And I think like ultimately just being a role model. So watch how you talk about food, watch how you talk about bodies in front of them. Like if you are meeting up with a friend and your kid is there and and the first thing that you say to your friend is like, oh, you look good. If you lost weight, you have to think about like what, what's your kid internalizing from that? They're internalizing, oh, thinner is better. Oh, like, should I lose weight? Like, oh, appearance is what is important. And so what we do and what we role model has is going to have the biggest effect over anything else. And so if we can role model, feeling confident, comfortable in our own body, not disparaging ourselves, not trying to change our own bodies, um, and really celebrating who we are, they're going to pick up on that. And and they're going to they're going to learn and internalize those same things. And same thing with food. So just like, you know, teaching them how to listen to their body, not classifying certain foods as like good or bad. It's just food is just food. Um, and, and teaching them that, you know, like all foods can fit and, um, and that it's really about like them tuning into what feels good for them. Yeah, that's so good. I know one of the, like, I have a niece who is about to turn 10 and she's really thin and she doesn't have any interest in food. And the family kind of panics about that, right? So there's all of this emphasis on she needs to eat, she needs to eat, she needs to eat. And I'm trying to figure out what is the way to be healthy in that messaging because I know even for me as an adult, I'm a very, very small person. And, and I was very thin when I was younger and people would make comments about my weight or say things like, oh, you need to eat something. Let me get you a cheeseburger. And I think people think because you're skinny that it's okay to make those kind of comments, but it's equally hurtful because what you're saying to me is I look bad. I'm not acceptable. You know, my body type isn't acceptable and I don't want to put those things on her. Yeah. And it's also like making kids feel like their body is under surveillance, which I think is like really then makes you more self-conscious of your own body to your point. So, you know, I feel like if a parent is concerned about like the lack of 
growth, you know, like that's what I would call it. If there's a lot, if there is indeed a lack of growth or um, then, you know, to speak to a pediatrician or, or like a, a dietitian, but um, to try to withhold any sort of, you know, commentary around it that's related to their size and, and, and that type of thing. Yeah. And she's really fine. I mean, she is happy. She's healthy. She's vibrant. She's got a ton of energy. She's just not preoccupied with food, which is probably very odd in my family because we yeah, are yeah, exactly, right? food yeah, 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 addicted yeah, yeah, yeah. people, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting point, right? So it's like we project our own stuff onto yes. them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so the, like, and that's where doing your own work is so important because, you know, like you're at the end of the day, like the big, if you want to like really help your kids, it's like heal your own relationship with food and your body. And that's going to have such a big influence on, on, on your kid, I think. Cause they, they just, they pick up on it. They're really perceptive and, um, and some of the stuff can just be so subtle, but it, it really does have an impact. And I don't mean to make people hypercritical because no parent is perfect, but, yeah. um, but there are really good things we can do. And one of my colleagues, uh, Virginia Soul Smith, actually has an amazing book that comes out in April called Fat Talk, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture. I got to read a pre-copy and it's like, it's so, if you're a parent and you're wondering like how to talk to kids about bodies and stuff it's it's like it's amazing so I just wanted to yeah, give that plug that. in there because I'm not yeah. necessarily the expert on it but she's um she's written some great stuff and it's such important stuff to talk about it really is that, that just like we were talking about earlier it hasn't been a huge topic in our lives like it's so fantastic that it is a topic now and that we have some awareness and it'll be interesting to see you know all my nieces and nephews like I have a whole bunch of them under, I think I have four under four. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see when they're hitting their teens, late teens, early twenties, and see how much difference there is compared to when I was that age. You know, it's, it's exciting to watch. Yeah, it is. My son's four. So <laughs> I get that. And I'm also terrified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> I think I'm always terrified for all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with the in the age of social media, it's like I yeah, I'm a, I'm a little worried. I'm trying to enjoy the the age of innocence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's interesting too because I do wonder with social media, like I see so many people. There are so many fitness people, and I had to remove a lot of this from my social media because it it just didn't make me feel good. You know? like yeah. it, it really instilled this sort of less than mentality when every time mm -hmm. I open my Instagram, it's, you know, fitness gurus doing whatever their thing is, right? Which is all beautiful. I want everybody to exercise, but it looks different for everybody too. And, but it did, it just made me always feel like I'm not doing enough. And I had to take a lot of that stuff off, but it's also with the food and recipes. And on one hand, some of it's really fantastic because people do get creative and that is really fun too. But it's like, do all of these people really have a healthy relationship with food? No, because I was one of them and I didn't know. <laughs> I've always wondered. <laughs> no, definitely not. And so many of them like end up going into the space that I'm in because they end up like coming out of the dark side. Like, yeah, some people who were huge wellness experts, I don't want to name names, but um, uh, have have like, you know, 
later come forward and said, you know what, I actually had a disordered relationship with food when I was making a lot of money off of this. So, yeah. um, but I, you know, to your point on social media, like it, it, it can be, um, it has such an influence on the way we think about food in our body. It has um, a massive influence. And so one of the first things I always encourage people to do is to do that social media detox, like remove anything that makes you feel less than that makes you think that thinner is better. Um, and that makes you think about food that makes you think that you should be eating a certain way. And so, and then at the same time, if you get rid of stuff, you want to fill it up with stuff. And so there's, that's the benefit of social media is that you can really curate your feed to show a lot of body diversity, to show a lot of messages that cultivate like a healthy relationship with your body and a healthy relationship with food and to help you really, uh, unlearn the belief that thinner is better. You know, that's what we, that's ultimately one, one of the main things we want to do when we're healing body image is really develop a belief that just like thin and fat are just neutral descriptors and you know and any kind of beliefs we have associated with those things good or bad just becomes we, we have to like actively challenge those and so social media can be an amazing gateway to do that because for example if you believe that like well i can't be um confident unless i'm smaller or i can't be sexy unless i'm smaller there are so many incredible body positive or fat positive people on Instagram, like showing themselves in like these super cute outfits and like bathing suits and things like that. And so that can really help to change that belief system for you. I was thinking with, even with the exercise part of it also, where like watching people in their workouts and the workout of the day, or, you know, there's a lot of women that do Pilates and every day it's the Pilates. And for me in my head, my head goes to, oh, I need to be working out harder. Maybe I'm not doing enough. I need to be at the gym more hours or more days. Or I need to do harder classes. And I had to really catch myself like, no, like I'm doing really well. Like this is fine. I don't need to do all the things that all the other people are doing. It's okay. And I fell into the same thing with social media in the entrepreneur world, right? Mm -hmm. In that sort of hustle culture. And I had to really reel myself in on that one too, and clean out some of that stuff because it's not healthy. Yeah, totally. Same. Yeah. It goes with any, like, it's not just related to, you know, food or exercise or your body. It's like anything that's really making you feel less than because the standard of perfection goes beyond our appearance. It's like, even if you're following like pages that are about home decor or organization, like that might make you feel like <laughs> you're, you know, it might make you feel like you're doing all these things wrong or you're inadequate because you can't, you don't have time to like organize your spice rack like they do, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I mean, it's, it sounds silly, like we can laugh about it, but it actually does like contribute to this overall feeling of inadequacy because we're constantly For measuring sure. ourselves up against the standard of perfection. And so like really trying to like get rid of that stuff, if anything, it makes you feel like you should be different than you are and it's not right. feeling good. Like we have to, we have to listen to that and get rid of it. It's like, that's not going to be helpful. Yeah, for sure. I love the idea of cleaning out the social media too. I work with my clients on that also in sobriety, right? Of really curating your feeds to be uplifting and feel good and motivating and you know not all of the drunk people doing drunk things and all the beer ads and all yeah. there's there's no shortage of unhealthy stuff that can inundate you so you have to be very intentional about what you're feeding your brain on a daily basis yeah exactly 
I did. I stopped reading fashion magazines years ago too, for the same reason, you know, looking, I'm looking at fashion magazines and it's like, everybody's six foot tall and I'm five, two. And I'm like, this is not, this doesn't represent me. This is not, I will never be this. Like, I just don't want to see it all the time and sort of feel like it's reinforced that I'm not normal, you know? Yeah. And that's where, I mean, representation is so important and having exposure to diversity because it really like goes such a long way to changing the way you perceive yourself. And I love the idea of getting uh, kids books, you know, because we're always reading to them, you know, constantly reading to them and nighttime stories and like, what a great time to start really focusing on some of those messages and, and broadening their minds. Yeah, my favorite one's called Bodies Are Cool by Tyler Fetter. It's uh, it's like fantastic. And and my son loves it, too, because it's just got all illustrations of all different kinds of bodies and abilities and different things. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's prob- probably my favorite one because it's um, it has just so much in it. And it's and it's great for like little kids as well as older kids, too. Yeah, that's so good. I just wrote that down. And for everybody listening, I will link the books that she talked about in the show notes too. So you guys can get there right from your podcast app. Summer, thank you so much for doing this with me. What a great conversation. I'm so grateful there are people like you out in the world spreading this good, positive message. Thank you so much for having me. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.